0: Before we get started, we wanted to give a disclaimer. Some of the topics discussed in this episode are sensitive, and we want this to be an open conversation about topics that are hard to discuss, but we also want our audience to be comfortable. In this episode of Beyond the Lines, River will share her story of transitioning and her college journey of being a transgender female on this campus. Mental health and suicidal thoughts will also be discussed on this episode. Please consider not listening if you feel that these topics could bring about emotional distress. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Beyond the Lines, a podcast brought to you by East Carolina University Campus Recreation and Wellness. My name is Delaney Hogg, and I'm Rachel Maynard. And today we have a very special guest with us. We have one of my good friends, River, who is coming on to the podcast to tell us her
1: story of being resilient and real. So, River, do you want to just briefly introduce yourself? Um, yeah. So, hey, y'all. Uh, my name is River. Um, I'm a senior at ECU. I'm a Fine Arts major. Uh, double concentrating in ceramics and metals and okay, uh that's pretty good cool. to have a great time
0: yeah i'm excited <laughs> all right so we'll kind of get into some questions and let river tell her story but river where does your
1: story begin um i guess like being a kid you know um for anybody who doesn't know what the episode's about i'm trans and i'm open about that and um i guess my story begins where like you know most kids Know how they identify from a young age. They, you know, do stuff like when I was a kid. I remember distinctly, I grew up in Greenville. Okay. And there used to be this tiny little shop over by the uh, train tracks that sold, you know, toys and whatnot. And I remember um, just going there all the time, playing with like the girl toys and stuff. And, you know, parents, you know, they didn't worry because they're like, oh, my kid is like two, three, four, whatever. Right. They're just having fun. They're a kid. Right. And, You know that's how it was. You know, kid, just doing stuff. Maybe not the most typically male stuff, Mm -hmm. and um, did that all throughout my childhood. And then, kind of going into middle school, I used to have a buzz cut. My dad enforced buzz cut all the time. Easy to manage. I have curly hair, Mm -hmm. Um, and I was like, you know what? I want to grow out my hair. It doesn't have to be long, but I just want to have something. Right. And I started to grow out. My parents were kind of against it a little. Because they had, you know, very, my parents are both Catholic, very religious, very okay. by the book. um, And they were like, okay, well, if you're going to do that, you have to, you know, keep up with it. You have to keep it cut. You have to pay for this. You have to do this and that. And it was one of those little things where it's like little things that you don't think about right. add up to like a bigger picture in the end. Okay. And like during middle school, um, kind of starting to figure out, you know, like what I like, who I like, Mm -hmm. and how that was identifying myself as. And I didn't know necessarily what trans was, but I knew that I liked guys. So I thought for a hot minute there that I was gay. And I was still doing, you know, like typically feminine kind of things, you Mm -hmm. know, growing out my hair. I had, you know, obviously certain mannerisms. um, And my parents did not uh, like that the most. And that kind of uh, was very apparent. Uh, My seventh eighth grade year when I had my first little you know sexual experience kind of thing did that they found out we're not happy mm-hmm. um my parents in the past not as much now were not very approving of LGBT people and when they found out that I thought I was gay they uh had my phone my parents were very strict they had parental controls on my phone like my iPod they had every text sent to them. Oh wow! If I was with a friend, they had to know who I was with, where we were going, who we were going to be with. If yeah. their parents are going to be there, they couldn't not know where I was for a minute of the day.
2: Do can you I think? just? Oh, oh. oh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you go first. You go first. Uh, do you have any siblings? Um, I'm adopted. Okay. So in my like, you know, adopted parents is if you can call them that. Mm-hmm. They're all my life have just been my mom and dad. Um, okay. no siblings. But um, this past summer, uh actually got in contact with some of my birth siblings. I have six. Okay. Wow. I'm that's the second so cool. oldest. That's really cool. Um, but I figured out that I had other siblings and yeah. Made a connection.
2: So do you think your parents were so strict just like because of your situation with you being adopted and being like their only child? Um or was it just like that's just who they
1: are? It's kind of just who they are. Okay. My dad immigrated from Mexico when okay. he was sixteen. Um he Came to the U.S., you know, had to struggle, had to work hard. Yeah. Um, my mom grew up in a very, I think, Episcopalian or uh, Protestant household until okay. she got to grad school. Got you. Um, they actually met in grad school for chemistry, so my parents are huge nerds. Love them for <laughs> okay. that. But um, she converted to Catholicism for them. Oh, that's sweet. And so they had that both very mm-hmm. strong religious belief yeah. from their childhood, so they had certain views of the world. Like my mom until she was out of grad school, had hair down to her waist, mm-hmm. was not allowed to wear uh, pants, mm-hmm. was not allowed to wear shorts shorter than her knee. Yeah. So they had very strict, strict upbringings. values,
2: yeah. Okay. That was, I was just thinking, I just yeah. was thinking it's kind of interesting that they have, like, all these different things, yeah. and I just
0: was curious. I know that. You actually kind of took my question. I was going to ask... <laughs> Did you think they were being strict on you just because of what you were going through?
1: Or was it just how they are? But I guess it's just how yeah. they are. Yeah. It's just how they are because they they both know how hard it is to have to work to get where they are. Mm-hmm. You know, my dad grew up on a farm, you know, picking cotton, yeah. you know, doing manual labor. And my mom grew up with no money at all. Both my yeah. parents were very poor.
2: So they were just probably so strict because they wanted yeah. what was best for you yeah. and wanted to protect you. Okay, They wanted cool.
1: the best for me, but yeah. they had to they wanted to avoid any pain they could yeah. and so they kind of they they wanted the best but they didn't direct it the best. Yeah.
0: That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So moving
1: into high school, what was that like for you? Um I say high school was not my favorite but definitely better. My best friend from middle school had moved to Utah and she was the only person that I hung out with in middle school, you know, every Friday, every Saturday. We, she'd come over we'd play black ops in my room till like right. midnight and then not having her I had to make new friends yeah and so a lot of those friends were you know just random people from different friend groups of other people so it was a very diverse friend group so I feel like you know.
0: high school is hard enough on its own for anyone right. but having to go through what you went through and figuring out who you were I yeah. feel like I can only imagine how hard that be it must have been really difficult it was
1: really frustrating at certain points because I had a lot of friends who, you know, were starting to come out as gay. They thought yeah. they were. I had other people who were like, oh, maybe I'm like, bye. You know, I'm yeah. on the spectrum somewhere. Mm-hmm. And it was frustrating because I knew and I'd seen it that their parents were so accepting yeah, and so loving that when I was around my family, I knew I couldn't have that. yeah, Because, you know, from like childhood, it was like, oh. They're just a kid. They're just playing with this. It means yeah. nothing versus middle school and high school. Like, oh, no, no, you can't do that.
2: Right. And it was even over something as simple as a haircut.
1: Oh, the I think the worst was um, I used to be very, very scrummy. Like, okay. like stick thin. I was like 95 pounds my sophomore year of high school. Oh, wow. So I didn't fit into guys' jeans. Right. So I had to wear girls' jeans because they were tighter and smaller. Yeah. And so I used to wear them. And that's when I was like, oh, this, like, this is cool. Like, I can wear, like, girls' clothes. Like, this is fun. Yeah. And then I eventually, like, put on a little more weight to the point where I didn't have to. Mm-hmm. And I liked the pants I was wearing. It's like, it's just jeans. No one cares. Right. No one Does knows. not mean yeah. anything. You're yeah. we I mean, can't, I can't even tell. <laughs> yeah. But my mom was like, um, well, you finally put on weight. You are at a point where you don't have to wear girls' clothes. So we're going to go to the boy section mm-hmm. and find you clothes there. And so I was like, but these fit. They're comfortable. I like what I'm wearing. She's like, well, you're not a girl.
0: Yeah. Finding a good pair these. of jeans is hard enough. Right. Like, yeah. I still don't have a good pair of jeans.
1: But, you know, that's one of those little things where, you mm-hmm. know, little things mm-hmm. add up to like a bigger that big moment. Yeah. yeah. and. There was one night where we were just arguing about um, how I thought I was gay and other stuff. And my I this is one of the things that has stuck with me to this day, even though they're loving and accepting now, um, that we were arguing. And she was like, if you ever come home in makeup or girls' clothes, you will be kicked out. Wow. Oh, my goodness. How old were you when you had that conversation? I think freshman year of high school, maybe yeah. sophomore year. Mm-hmm. Wow. And that's when I was finally, like, n- you know, figuring out what trans was and, like, right. knowing other people who you know were going through that. Right. And I was like, wait, this is me. Like I finally have a word mm-hmm. that goes to how I feel. Yeah. And to have the people that are supposed to love you unconditionally and be there for you. Right. Tell you that if you came home in makeup or girls clothes, something so superficial that they would kick you out. Right. Was like, I can't. Like I gotta go back further into my corner, into my closet. You know, I've receded.
2: Yeah, I bet that probably you felt really isolated, I'm sure, Mm -hmm. and alone. That had to be scary. I can't imagine, like, coming to someone who is supposed to be there for you no matter what and telling them, like, this is how I feel. And they're just like, okay, well, I don't care. (laughs) Like, I can't imagine what that had to be like.
0: It's very interesting to me just because you're adopted and mm-hmm. I I personally want to adopt kids. I feel oh, like same. people who adopt are usually very open-minded mm-hmm. right. and it's very interesting
1: that your parents weren't initially open-minded with that. Yeah. And obviously I don't blame them at all for their religious or personal views because yeah. you know that's how they were raised and they didn't know anything yeah. different or better. Like they had friends who were gay and stuff but they never had a family member that direct mm-hmm. who was in the in the LGBT community. Right. And I think it's harder for someone to accept that when it affects you yeah. directly. Mm-hmm.
2: So how what was the rest of high school like for you then, if that would happen your freshman year?
1: Um, honestly, not the best. Yeah. Um, it kind of came to a head my junior year of high school. Um, it's probably one of the worst days I've ever had emotionally and mm-hmm. mentally Um, it was like second period. Um, I was in one of the rooms, uh, on, I think we had lunch or something Mm -hmm. Or I was just like taking a minute to breathe. Mm -hmm. And I just had like a complete mental breakdown. Mm -hmm. Um, I was just in there and I was sobbing. I was crying. I couldn't breathe. And I was just like, I I don't know what to do anymore. The lack of support, the lack of love, the comments that are said, I I was just, I was ready to end it that day. And before that, um, one of my best friends in the world had to like bring it up to a slightly lighter note. One of my friends Hunter had come out to me in texting. She was like, Oh, by the way, like, I think I'm trans. And she was one of my best friends from middle school. And I yeah. was like, what is that exactly? This is how I like kind of figured out yeah. what it was. She was like, Oh, it's this. And I was like, Oh, that's what I am. <laughs> so we kind of came out to each other at the yeah. same time. And, um, the, the day that I was thinking that I was like, I'm going to go home and kill myself. Yeah. Um, I had already figured out what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. I, I used to do a Christian retreat in high school from freshman year until um, second semester of uh, college freshman year. Mm-hmm. And it's a retreat where you like tell other kids, you know, about your faith and like, you know, what you've gone through, like how you've gone through your faith. And a lot of the talks talk about, you know, depression, suicide, mm-hmm. other stuff. And I remember one of the talks, one of the guys was like, I took a butcher's knife and shoved it into an electrical outlet and tried to electrocute myself. And that day in the school, I thought that when I got home, I was going to take a fork and just stab an electrical outlet. I I was just at my wit's end. I was like, my parents, their lack of support has just got me at this point. So what
2: made you not do that?
1: Um my catechist because I'm confirmed in the church Mm -hmm. um she came and picked me up I was really sick my sophomore year okay so I missed about a hundred so days or around there yeah so I was just in and out daily so they never questioned who came to pick me up Mm -hmm. so she was just like I'm coming here to get them and they're like okay well let's call her down um she picked me up took me to my church to pray for a little Took me to get food and then I escaped at Hunter's house for a few hours because I knew that her parents were accepting mm-hmm. and I knew that she was. And then my mom, you know, was freaking out because, like I said, parental controls right. very overbearing. Right. Um, came and picked me up at like four or five when she was off work. As soon as I got home, she was like, We need your phone. We need all your electronics. You will be grounded for at least two months because you didn't tell us where you were. And then I was like, I have a good reason and I don't want to say it, but me, you, and Pop need to sit down. Mm -hmm. And she was like, You're going to give me your phone. I was like, I will give you my phone, but you're going to listen to me. And then you're going to give it back because I can't tell you this and not have friends around me. And I sat them down at the kitchen table and I was just, you know, holding their hands and I was just sobbing, Mm -hmm. like just uncontrollably sobbing. And I had to like physically tell my parents that I was suicidal because of their lack of support. Right. And their, the way that they made me feel the way that I didn't feel loved. Yeah. And, you know, it kind of took them a minute to hear that and really hear it. And, you know, my mom immediately called my doctor and was like, um, River is suicidal. We need to get an appointment tomorrow. And, you know, they didn't say anything for a few minutes. And then I just kind of was still sobbing and I just muttered out, like, do you guys still love me? And, you know, my mom was like, of course we love you. Like, we're, you know, I'm sorry you feel this way. Like, I, we never would have wanted this for you.
2: Right. I'm sure that that had to be an incredibly tough conversation. But I just want to tell you that I think it's very brave of you that you were able to have that conversation with them, even though it was probably very emotionally taxing. But I f- I'm sure that there's so many people out there who don't have that conversation yeah. and who just kind of stand in that corner with no one there to support them. And so I think it's really brave of you that you, you chose to have that conversation with them despite how it made you feel and yeah. how it kind of change things within your family.
1: I can almost guarantee if my catechist had not responded to my text Mm -hmm. and if my mom had not been so overbearing and demanded to know where I was, Mm -hmm. I would have been dead by the time they got home that evening.
0: That just breaks my heart. Like the idea of a child saying to their parent, like, do you still love me? Mm -hmm. That's just the saddest – one of the saddest things I think I've ever heard. And uh, as a parent, they respond and they're like, well, of of course. And it takes – so much emotional strength to be able to have a conversation Mm -hmm. like that and for both parties to be willing to communicate and to have a deeper conversation. It's not your regular night dinner conversations over the table. But so what, what did you do moving forward from that conversation? What did your parents say? How did everything go?
1: Um, Well, the next day I went to the doctor and my, you know, doctor was like, uh, are you okay? Mm-hmm. And so I got, you know, set up with a uh, therapist and everything. Um you know, finished out junior and senior year, but throughout we had a lot of conversations about what I wanted for mm-hmm. my future. And at the time my friend Hunter was starting um hormone blockers. Okay. So she had uh one of the little uh it's like a rod in your arm that mm-hmm. stops all testosterone. Mm-hmm. So she wasn't on estrogen, but it stopped the production of testosterone and i was like that's what i want like i need that like i the thought of puberty anymore right terrifies me like even throughout high school before that like going through puberty i hated it right and they were like um probably not the best idea they were you know quote-unquote like very supportive mm-hmm. of me being alive and like doing what i needed to survive But when I brought up the idea of hormones, they are like, well, you're already going through a lot. Um, If we add on hormones, that might just make it harder for you. And I was like, the fact that I'm not on hormones still has me depressed and slightly suicidal. And that's just not good. Like if I get on hormones, I can almost guarantee that will go away or at least diminish greatly. And you know, they kind of kept pushing it back and pushing it back. And they were like, okay, well, after high school, like you can, if you want in college, you can start, but again, like growing out hair, you have to pay for it. Mm-hmm. You have to keep up with it. It's your priority. Like, it's not our job. Right. And um, got to college, you know, waited a few months. And then finally got the um, gender dysphoria note from my therapist because you have to have one to start hormones.
2: Do Really? I did not yeah. know that. You have to get huh.
1: diagnosed by a, I think, mental health professional yeah. specifically with gender dysphoria to get the appointment, get your blood work done, get the consultation, and then yeah. get prescribed hormones.
2: Wow, that is super interesting, especially because I'm getting my master's in social work, mm-hmm. and I took a psychotherapy class last semester, and we talked about gender dysmorphia and there was a big debate in my class of is this even really a mental disorder because of how much more normalized and accepted um transgender is so yeah I think that that's I did not know that they made you get that diagnosis and I don't like that (laughs) I don't understand why you would
1: need a diagnosis if you know you know I mean that's how I would think of it but yeah I mean also like you have to take into consideration like changes that have happened to my body Mm -hmm. i cannot reverse any longer like especially if you're female to male Mm -hmm. a lot of the stuff they go through is you know even harder Mm -hmm. like their voices deepen right and once your voice deepens there's no going back right when you're male to female your voice doesn't get higher Mm -hmm. so what you start out with is what you have Mm -hmm. but like female to male if your voice deepens Mm -hmm. and you know eventually down the line you're like hey I'm comfortable with myself. Maybe I don't need hormones. Like maybe I'm confident enough or maybe you were like thought you were trans, but maybe you're just, you know, mm-hmm. somewhere else on the spectrum and you stop the changes you've made to your body will not go back. Yeah. So I understand the fact that like they need to be sure. Yeah. But there are a lot of people in the community who don't have access to a therapist and right. then, you know, going to an actual doctor and stuff like it should be much easier to go yeah. to a doctor.
2: It seems like it like really prolongs that process. It and does. I'm thinking of um there's this video that I watched in one of my classes when I was in undergrad actually uh where they were instead of doing hormone therapy to like stop puberty, they do hormone therapy to like pro not even I guess it's like you just kind of delay puberty. Yeah, that's so then, what a hormone blockers are. Yeah, so then after it's like when you turn eighteen or yep. something, you can make the final decision of whether you really actually want to do it. Is yeah. that kind of where they're moving towards it now? Um,
1: now? I think that's where they are for the most part. Okay, but because I was past eighteen right. when I started, I was already okay. eighteen. Okay, um, it was my freshman year, first semester. I had gone my therapist to mm-hmm. give me the note. Mm-hmm. Um, it took from I think like around November until March for me to get my prescription.
0: Wow. I just have have a a random question. What was your living situation like your freshman year? Oh, (laughs) I hated it. So you came to ECU, but you're from here. Did you live in the dorms?
1: Yeah. Well, I grew up in Greenville, um, half my life. And then I grew up in Raleigh the other half. Okay. Um, So I I say I'm a Greenville native, but I grew up in Raleigh half of it. But, um, before I came to ECU, I contacted the, uh, head of living Mm -hmm. and I was like, Hey, this is my situation. Like, I'm not comfortable living in with another guy, like especially in like a hall situation or something. Right. Like, is there any way to get me with the girl roommate or get me in like a suite style so that I have like my own private bathroom? Mm-hmm. And the most he could do legally, you know, was get me into Scott Hall because it was a suite style. Mm-hmm. So it's just like two people in one room, two people in one room, two people in another, and they share a bathroom in the middle. Yeah. So it's only four people. Yeah. Um, but I had to be with a guy.
0: Okay. Interesting.
1: And that was uh, really fun. You know, I caught him staring at me a few times. Right. Um, I didn't, for I think the first semester, even beginning of second, I didn't really wear makeup, wear a lot of like girl Mm -hmm. clothes and stuff because I was still uncomfortable being in the same room as him. Right. And also I was still figuring out my style, like figuring out myself because I'd never, you know, 24-7 identified as – female and it been okay Mm -hmm. and so you know it was really hard like the few times that I did start to like figure out myself until it was you know me being me full-time you know I caught him staring at me a few times and like changing in front of him was the most awkward situation on earth
2: so was he like pretty accepting of you or did he was like he mean to you ever um
1: (laughs) uh it's not that we weren't like okay with each other but um he was a random roommate. Okay. okay. And um, I messaged him like three times over the summer to be like, hey, like I'm your roommate. Like, do you want to get coffee or something before mm-hmm. we move in? Like, you know, get to know each other a little so that we're not awkward. Yeah. Didn't respond to a single email. Love um, that. I showed up to move in, slept the night, woke up the next morning with a bunch of his stuff in the room because he'd moved in while I was asleep. Mm-hmm. Um, and he walked in later when I was like, you know, getting around and like about to head out. And he was like, did you think I wasn't going to show up? hmm the longest sentence we ever said to each other in the year that we lived together was, Do you want me to turn off the lights? <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> a whole year of living. And that's the longest thing we ever said. That's yeah. So that
2: sounds like it was a pretty awkward living situation. But it also sounds like it could have been worse.
1: Oh, it could have been yeah. worse. And it was really not fun because it was election season too. Oh god. And we were polar opposites, <laughs> not to get political, but we were very opposite right. ended.
2: Yeah. I bet that was interesting. So oh, it was. <laughs> so you started transitioning
1: your freshman year. Yeah.
2: Okay. And so then, so you started the hormone blockers your
1: freshman year. Right? Um, I went straight on to hormones because I hadn't okay. done right. the blockers. You, so it was just okay. straight to hormones. Okay. Right.
2: Okay. I'm caught up. And so then what was, what happens
1: after so that? That was
0: March of your freshman year?
1: Yeah. So okay. actually I think it's in like A week from now or so is my actually like three-year anniversary of starting hormones. Happy anniversary. (laughs) Thanks. Love it. (laughs) Um,
0: Okay. So how did you finish out your freshman year? How did Um, everything go for the rest of it?
1: I mean, I was much happier. Like my depression went down a lot. It was just that mental strength of like, oh, I'm on hormones. Like I'm invincible. Like Mm -hmm. I have finally got what I need. This is what I've been needing. Right. I just feel more calm as a person being on them.
2: Yeah, I bet. It seems kind of like you you knew you had this goal and it was like you're being forced to not make any progress yeah. towards it. So just even something as simple as like being on the hormones is a huge step when you've been oh, yeah. told like, no, we can't do that yet, we can't do that yet. And then you finally get to make some progress towards this goal that you've had for so long. So I'm sure that was a really incredible
1: feeling. It was definitely great and um, love my parents uh but they are horrible pushovers (laughs) and how they were like oh you have to do this you have to pay for it literally first prescription I went to Walgreens and she was like how much is it all like put money in your account oh that's That's great yeah they give in to everything I'm a vegetarian senior of high school and Mm -hmm. I told her and she was like you're gonna have to cook your own meals you're gonna struggle for 40 days right That night, I got home. She's like, we're having chicken. What do you want to eat? (laughs) They've always been like that. Yeah. That's good.
2: That's good that it seems like your relationship with them kind of improved, too. Oh, yeah. So that's always good that you had that support system, because I'm sure you probably needed it. As you kind of kept moving forward.
1: It definitely got a lot better. Um, My mom is definitely the most supportive. Mm -hmm. Um, She had already been, like, starting to struggle with you know other stuff in mm-hmm. herself um my dad has dementia okay and he's 60 mm-hmm. so he has very early, early onset yeah. he had the signs in high school but we didn't realize it wow my mom just thought that he was starting to not care about their marriage so mm. they oh. were fighting a lot yeah. um there's a lot of bad memories i have from that but um my dad loves me still yeah. you know he may not be there 100% he may just be physically there and not there at all mentally but I know he loves me and I wish that you know this disease hadn't if anything kicked in so soon yeah so that he could see how much I'm loving life now yeah compared to high school but my mom is my rock like she is the ultimate support that I could ever ask for you know I have I don't doubt it anymore yeah like um A year and a half ago, maybe a year ago, we were at Target and I went to the changing room to try on something and um, someone came in after me and I came out like five or 10 minutes later and we were leaving the changing room and she just looked at me and was like, did you have any trouble? And I was like, no, like, what do you mean? Mm -hmm. And she was like, well, um, I didn't know if it it was you or the person after you, but the changing room lady was giving somebody a hard time. She was like, oh, um, the the men's side is that way. And the person was like, "Oh, well, I need to go to the women's side," mm-hmm. and the lady was like, "You're not a woman; you need to go to the men's side."
2: Wow!
1: And so I was like, "Oh, that definitely was not me." Right. And she was like, "She was like, if that had been you, my ass would be turning around right now to go kick hers." Yeah. And I was like, "Go, Vonda!" It's <laughs> like, "Go, go you." <laughs> but like, that was one of those things that you know, yeah, finally showed how much she is, like, my right supporter in That's all of awesome. this.
2: That's awesome. I'm so glad that she kind of warmed up to it and has been yeah. more accepting of it because I imagine that would have been really hard to do without your parents.
1: She definitely struggles a lot with her faith, though, because she's still very Christian. Oh, yeah. And that, you know, really put a question in how she views her faith. Right.
2: A lot of mm. internal conflict there, I'm sure. hmm Okay, so we are going to
0: take a brief intermission, but we'll be back in a few minutes.
2: We are back from our intermission. So we're going to start this back off with um, asking River about the transition of kind of going back home for the summer after your first year of school. So what was that like?
1: Um, You know, kind of a little awkward, kind of, you know, figuring out my footing with my parents. That was the first time that I You know, it might not seem like a big deal to a lot of people, but for me and a lot of people, it is, you know, like I was wearing Nike shorts for the first time. Yeah. I was wearing leggings for the first time. Like, you know, I wore, you know, like mascara for the first time. And like a lot of people take that for granted. But, you know, for me, it was like terrifying walking in the first day and like Nike shorts. Right. And, you know, doing stuff like that. So, you know, that entire summer was just, you know, experimenting slowly over time, like, you know pushing the envelope just just a little see
2: how far you can get with it before they say something yeah and
1: they never really hit a point where they were like oh that's not okay
2: oh that's good which is good you know yeah
1: great time but um did they
2: have like any reactions like if you just kind of walked out of your room wearing like gym short like nike shorts and a t-shirt or something like not really leggings they just kind of i think like the first
1: time i did you know like oversized t-shirt and norts my mom was like are you wearing pants (laughs) and i was like Yes, yes. Like, <laughs> like, yes, I am.
0: I feel like my dad says that to me, too, because yeah. I always wear, like, extra large T-shirts to right. walk around the yep. house, and he always gives me that look, and I'm like,
1: no, I swear I am. My mama, she's a shady <laughs> Love her. But we were in Vegas one time, and she called me out for my eyebrows being different shapes.
2: Uh,
0: eyebrows are twins, not sisters. Mine were, or like, sisters, not twins. <laughs> Mine were, like <laughs>
1: distant cousins. One was removed. Like, they were not okay. She called me out for it completely.
0: (laughs) Okay. So let's move into your second year of school. Mm -hmm. What happened during
1: your second year that helped shape you? Um, I guess having money left from my jobs. Mm -hmm. Um, I finally had money to buy clothes that I wanted to buy. Um, and that was a big thing. You know, I had seen stuff I liked. I didn't know my body type, my body shape, what looked good on me, what was flattering. And sophomore year was, you know, Kind of a mishmash of like, oh, I think this is a cute combo and it just being a train wreck. Um, (laughs) Happens to the best of us. Oh, it happened a lot. (laughs) Um, And I, my friends judge me so hard for it, but I am the most basic person on earth Uh in terms of my style.
2: Okay. And
1: so my entire wardrobe is just basic as can be.
2: Like, what do you mean?
1: Like, what you think of like a southern, you know, girl would wear in Greenville, (laughs) North Carolina. Like all xl larges comfort color t-shirts okay 50 norts. that is exactly <laughs> what
0: know. i wore for my first 3 years of college so uh,
1: more than i would like to admit pair of bell bottoms
0: okay yeah, yeah.
1: a lot of that see
0: i i rocked the bell bottoms too uh, i think i'm pretty basic though and i, I still am, am
1: so oh, I, I still am not a <laughs> bottoms oh, than, like, type bell bottom wore them like 2 nights ago <laughs> oh i love that
0: for you okay so a lot of people might be wondering how River and I knew each other. And so this is a very interesting part of the podcast and one that I've been really looking forward to talking about. So I met River because I was on the Panhellenic Executive Board and she went through sorority recruitment this past year, I guess 2019 recruitment. Yeah. And you also went through in 2018, correct? Yeah. So I actually had heard of her through that and we ended up meeting and I recognized her name or I recognized your face or something I yeah. don't remember. But that's basically how we got to know each other. So I really wanted to talk about sorority recruitment because I know that played a big role in your story. So can you talk
1: about 2018 first? So 2018 was my, uh, you know, technically my junior year, my third year here, but credit wise, I was still a sophomore. Right. So I went through um, with my application saying sophomore, Um, went through it, you know, was very open minded Um, before the process even began. I went to the head of Panhellenic at the time. And, um, you know, directly asked him like, Hey, this is my situation. Am I allowed to do this? Like, is this okay? And he checked which sororities would be willing to accept me. And he told me which ones were okay for me to even consider. So I went into it, you know, with good faith, um, went through it, uh, using my old name, like my dead name. Mm -hmm. Um, and for anyone who doesn't know what that is, your dead name is if you're, if you've or trans if you're transitioning if you have changed your name mm-hmm. at all um that's your name previously okay what you went by so like my old name is my dead name okay cool. and so my 2018 year i rushed using my old name um just for like personal reasons not going to give it out have been have had it used against me a lot of times and i've had a lot of scary encounters with people that i don't want to know my name right personally now um but when i'm using my old name You know, went through the process, uh, didn't end up in anything. You know, that happens to a lot of people. It was whatever. Um, But uh, Delaney knows this now. Um, I actually got outed during the process. I hadn't told anybody that I was trans. Um, And I got outed during uh, one of the nights.
2: Wow. Which round
1: was it? It was a house tour day. Okay, so that's like the third. It's one of the biggest days. It's the third it was, it was third or fourth third, day yeah. technically
0: because it's the third round is what we would yeah. call it. But
1: second, you know, because mm-hmm. mean Grease two days. Yes. Um, but I didn't find that out until I think three or four days later, and um, you know, the next day was you know crying up a storm. Whatever, you know, I was really sad. I was on my way to, uh, I think right is when y'all still did it right. Yes. I was about to head over there when my Pike, called him was like, I'm sorry. I was in classes all day. I hadn't had the chance to tell you. And I was just like sobbing up a storm. Also not very well, but coincidentally, I was breaking up with my boyfriend that day. Mm. So just (laughs) not a great day for emotions.
2: So you say you got outed and then someone called you and let you know, what did that, what did that mean? Like Um, you got outed and then they were just like, no, you can't do
1: this. um, So at one of the chapters during their voting, Um, One of the girls, uh, very publicly, um, I don't know if this is, I don't remember exactly if this was the quote she Mm -hmm. said, but she stood up and was like, "Um, in this small town America, in this Greenville, I don't think we're ready for this, and I do not think she should be in this, and then outed me to their chapter.
2: And they were just like, oh, you're
1: right, whatever, we just, that's it. There was no, like. Um, From what I've heard, Um, and friends that I've made throughout this um, a lot of girls did stand up for me a lot of them you know condemned her for what she did Um, but ultimately you know their vote
2: yeah so they had to vote and that was kind of just something that changed their mind like changed their vote okay 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 I'm sorry I'm not entirely familiar with the whole sorority recruitment thing so I didn't know if there was like a policy that or something that was just like transgender people can't can't rush or something well the last
1: two that i had for 2018 i both i knew both were um accepting in their bylaws that said that if you identify as female you can be in their chapter okay there are some that in their bylaws say you have to be cisgender like you have to be born female biologically to be in the chapter really yeah that's a thing
2: i had no idea a
1: lot of chapters have actually changed their bylaws in the past few years to accommodate for that yeah
2: That's good. They should, as they should. I know that I
0: feel like our generation, we always talk about how our generation is a little bit different when it comes to issues Mm -hmm. like this. And our generation tends to be more accepting, but that doesn't mean everyone is. And a lot of what we talk about during this portion of the episode, I want to clarify that I'm not speaking on behalf of my chapter or on behalf of the panel and executive board. It's more so, I mean, me and Rever are friends, and I'm glad I've met her. And even though it was through sorority recruitment, I don't know. I just want to make sure that I put that out there before I, like, say anything. But I clearly remember being on one side of recruitment when River was going through the process and I was already in a chapter. And I remember hearing about her. And I had just heard there was a transgender woman going through. I didn't know anything about who you were at that time. I just knew your dead name. That's really all I knew about you. And I remember seeing it and being kind of confused Um, as I think probably a lot of women in the community were just because we had never met someone like you. Mm -hmm. And so that's, we get trained on a lot of things on how to talk to people and how to present ourselves well, but that's just something I feel like our community wasn't educated on at that time. Um, so continue with your process,
1: I guess. Um, well, obviously gonna comment on that too. Like I hold nothing against Panhellenic or any of the chapters. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, there's also many factors that probably went into me getting dropped. So have nothing against anybody. Honestly,
0: it can be any number of factors. I I personally don't know why anyone would, but every potential new member really experiences being released from the process by different chapters. I was released from several chapters and it's honestly, it's the worst feeling in the world to have a chapter say that they don't want you to come back to meet them or talk to them because that instant feeling that most people have is what's wrong with me? Why don't they want to talk to me? And it's it's really disheartening for anyone to feel that way. But I feel like it's such a transitional point in your life when you just want to feel accepted. I can't imagine going through that, but having the strength to go through it is something that I am just so like surprised by, I guess I just can't even figure out the words to say right now, but it's very impressive. And I'm impressed by the strength that you had to go through
1: it. I guess is what I'm trying to
2: say. Very brave of you.
1: But, um, so yeah, back to, um, the whole event that happened. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it was three days after, um, I had, you know, accepted it. I was like, oh, it's because I'm older, you know, like maybe they just didn't like, you know, my major or something, you know, maybe it's just because a number of factors and I'd accepted it. I was like, you know, it didn't happen. I gave it my all Went an open-minded can't hate it. Right. And then a girl reached out to me on Instagram who lived with three of the girls in the house that I got outed at Mm -hmm. and was like, Hey, you know, heard about your situation. Um, I don't know if you've heard, but here's what happened. She's the one who told me what was said. Yeah. And everything. Um, very grateful for her having done that. But um, you know, figure that out. Um, that's when I went back to the head of Panhellenic at the time. Nothing happened at all. Um
2: Which I can imagine had to be so frustrating because you went to them initially and said, like, hey, these are this is my situation. And then it w- they seemed supportive of you initially, and then when you needed them, they they didn't support you at all, it sounds yeah. like, anyways. I mean, but. he
1: ended up reaching out to the two chapters, um, and from what I was told, you know, I can't confirm or deny it, especially right. um, the one that I got outed at. Um, the girl who outed me, her mom was one of the advisors. Oh, uh, okay. So, you know, especially that, why would you want to stand up to somebody who could make your life a lot harder than it has to be when it should not be.
2: Right. And then you just kind of had to pick your battles with that. Yeah.
1: And so that happened. um, And because I was outed, um, it was from a few other people who had told me it was because of my name. Mm -hmm. And that actually leading up to that, I didn't mind my name. You know, it was one of those things of like, that's the name my parents gave me. Right. That's the name that I was given I loved my name. Yeah. I will always love my name. But because of that entire experience in that situation, I didn't want to be put in another position where I could be outed, in trouble, hurt. You know, violence is a big issue. Absolutely. So I decided to change my name to River.
0: And I know we've talked about this, but can you tell
1: us why you changed your name to River of all the different ones? Um, Well, I personally love nature. Mm -hmm. I love – all things living, you know, all animals, all creatures. And I was just thinking about things that I love and connect to and just feel on a deep spiritual level. And I was just thinking about nature and I was like, you know, I love nature. Like what's a good name from that, that I could see myself going by. And I came to like river. I was like, this feels like me.
2: awesome. I think it's really powerful that even though you know you said you loved your dead name and that's mm-hmm. still always going to be a part of you, you had the opportunity to essentially reinvent yourself yeah. and give yourself this whole new everything. And you got to name yourself, which I think is really cool. But you made it such a meaningful thing, which I think is really
1: powerful. It was a lot of fun personally. Yeah. It was just fun to sit there <laughs> with like a list, like. You know, going through like my potential baby names because yeah. I'm that person <laughs> who has a list on my phone. Who doesn't? I'm like, one. wait, yeah, I like I this don't. one a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and then like you're like, I'm going to kick this one off. Like, s- screw the baby. Yeah, that's mine.
2: Right, that's so funny.
1: And uh, yeah, one with River.
0: Oh, I love that. So you went through sorority recruitment again in 2019, twice. Twice. Okay, so can you tell us
1: about that? Yeah, I went through it again. Um, this time you know, a little bit more cautious, but hoping for the best, right. um, went through it using a, you know, a new name
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, you know, another perk of hormones, um, they change how you look. Mm-hmm. So, um, even in just that one year, yeah, you know, I filled out in a lot of places that I desperately needed, like yeah. my face filled out. Um, my butt got a little bigger mm-hmm. my hips flared out. Um, my body just when you're on hormones, you get through puberty again, basically. Right. Okay. Okay. And it just, I felt more whole as a person. Like I felt genuinely comfortable.
2: Good. That's in awesome. myself.
1: And I was like, if it doesn't work out this time, like, hey. It's not meant to be. It's just not meant to right. be. And I did my all. Yeah. And so went through it again, Um. you know, with my new name, mm-hmm. you know, still a great experience. Did not end up anywhere, you know, still, you know, great time.
0: And I've, I've told you this before, but even though you didn't end up joining a chapter, I think you dramatically impacted the community in a sense of we had to get educated more so on being transgender and having people that are transgender in our community. Um, I know that there were several LGBTQ panels that were hosted by panelinic to be more informed. I think I told you mm-hmm. that a few weeks ago. But I, I think I've told you before, I haven't met anyone that's transgender until I met you. And- I'm so excited to be educated on this topic and to I, we've had this conversation, but everything that I say in our conversation right now, I trust that you can help me get educated on it. And there's no mm-hmm. judgment between us because we're willing to talk about things that we haven't talked about before. Yeah. And I also say- I had another another thing to add, but, um, I remember even though you didn't join anything, Mm -hmm. our entire executive board was rooting for you from Panalinux from that behind the scenes standpoint that Panhellenic is on. We were all like, oh, where's River going today? Like, how is her list? How is this? And so when I finally met you, maybe a couple months later, I was so excited to have gotten to meet you because I had been rooting for
1: you at one point. It was great. Like, especially this time around, like, you know, first year made a few friends, you know, like. It was great. A lot of the girls from the chapter that I got outed at are some of my, you know, best friends now. A lot of them are mm-hmm. people that would stand up for me in any situation, made friends in a bunch of different chapters yeah. that I would have never mm-hmm. expected to meet. But like this time around, like after I got dropped, like I, I found that i also, that a lot of the girls on exec were um, rooting for me. And it was just nice to know that like this time around, especially like I had people in my corner no matter what. And it was just so refreshing. To like know that people were like a hundred percent like on my side
2: so if you don't mind me asking what happened the second time around
1: um i got dropped after sisterhood day so that's the second second day Mm -hmm.
2: okay okay yeah cool and then so i was just gonna say you know i think that even though you didn't get into a chapter um you have paved the road for the next person for the next person who is strong enough, who is brave enough to go through sorority recruitment as transgender. Um, Delaney mentioned that they've put educational Mm -hmm. things in place so that this community is more equipped to handle situations like this, but they wouldn't have done that if you didn't do what you did. So I think that you – have made a huge difference, and I think that your experience is going to be so 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 helpful to anyone who comes after you. And I just like that, just I, it makes me so happy. But I'm 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 glad that we were able to have you come talk about this and just really like open yourself up again to all of this because this is the uh, you've already gone through this whole process twice, you know, and you, you exposed yourself twice and put yourself out there and you're doing it again for us. So thank you.
1: Yeah. And at least this time it's on my own. Right. Like I chose to do this and like, you know, not saying anything about other girls, but like if I'm out sometimes, like if I'm downtown on the weekend, I distinctly remember for at least the first semester that I got outed every single weekend that I was out, at least Mm -hmm. one girl came up to me. From a different chapter and was like oh hi like you know i'm from this chapter my name is this like i'm so sorry for what happened to you and it's like they meant the best
0: mm-hmm. was was it hard for you to hear that or did it make you happy it
1: kind of burned yeah because it's like i'm trying to heal but it was like it's a two-sided one like i'm so happy that like you're trying to say like hey we're not all like women are like this like mm-hmm. that's a few bad apples in the bunch most right. of us are accepting but like, we're so sorry for what happened to you. And it's like, oh, thanks for that. But like, ugh, that. It still sucks. Uh, right? It's just like another little needle. Like a
2: punch to the gut again.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I feel like I had something to say and I can't remember. I'm trying to. Yeah. So, <laughs> so how have you, I mean, that was only this past fall. Yeah. It's crazy that it was not that long ago, but where are you now? What are your plans now and
2: what's next? Graduate. Graduate? Do you it, graduate in May? No. No, okay. okay. I'm, doing <laughs> Sorry. I'm doing
1: a victory lap.
2: Hey, that's okay. So did
1: I. <laughs> um, but yeah, doing a victory lap, Um, just kind of living. Yeah. I, Uh, back in the fall, again, Uh, horrible timing. I was with a different ex when I got right. dropped again mm. and right. broke up around the same time. Oh, no. Oh, it's just amazing how my love life interferes. <laughs> um. Just kind of living, just yeah. trying not to die.
2: That's a good goal to
1: have. I mean, there's just so much danger with being out in trans. Yeah. Like, even just a week ago, I was out at um, karaoke night mm-hmm. and I got in line, and this guy behind me, him and his two friends, were talking about how they had a trans speaker that day mm-hmm. and how they just didn't care. They were zoned out, how they wanted to hurt trans women. Oh my God. And how they could have just cared less about being there.
2: Oh my goodness.
1: And I was just staining, you know inches away. Right. And you have to listen to all of that. You feel
2: so uncomfortable.
1: It's like, like this is my life. Like, right. Dealing with people like that and dealing with people who fetishize me and have me as a kink. Mm-hmm. And that's like the most disgusting feeling right. in the world. Like having just being myself, like living my life, like having the thought of somebody be turned on by, by just, me, like, just who you are walking through campus is the most disgusting feeling. And it happens way more than you would think. So
2: uh, do you feel safe at ECU? Um, no, No? honestly. So what are some things that the ECU community could do better to make, make more transgendered people feel more safe on campus?
1: Um... It's also not just ECU yeah. as a general, but it's just being around this many people at a time yeah. and just knowing that there are so many people who hate the fact that I'm alive. Yeah, yeah. And just knowing that like, especially like, you know, I'm Mexican, I'm a person of color mm-hmm. and the death rates for trans people, mine is the highest. Right, absolutely. Like the fact that I'm 21 and alive, I saw a statistic like a year ago that was like, I should be dead by 25. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I'm almost at that is, like, horrifying. Right. That, like, statistically, I should be dead in four years from violence.
2: Yeah. That's
1: awful. And, like, I think that there should be more, like, education and panels on it. And people should actually start caring and stuff. Because it's not, like, this isn't a choice. This isn't a fad. Like, this is my life. Mm-hmm. I would not wish this on anybody. Right. Like, the emotions that I have had to go through, the situations that I've been put in the things that have been done to me Mm -hmm. I would never wish on someone else
2: yeah it almost like and this this might sound a little different and a little harsher than I'm planning when it comes out but considering like the high rates of violence it probably feels like at times it might have just been not even worth it like you it, should have just yeah. stayed a stayed a guy, you know, which no, is you're awful. Right. It's awful, and I I absolutely hate that for you because, I mean, I've known you for an hour, and I've I feel like you're a really incredible person. Um, but that I mean that means that there's people who who aren't coming out and who aren't making mm-hmm. that transition, who are just choosing to stay in the shadows because they don't feel like it's worth it. Like, so, is it worth fighting for, right? And. Yeah. Do you, I mean? Do you feel like it's worth? Like, do you
1: feel like everything yeah. has been worth it? Oh, a hundred percent. My mental health is something that I will not compromise right. at this point. My well-being, I will not put aside for someone else. Good. That's awesome. Like, I care about myself way too much yeah. to put somebody else's opinions and beliefs above it. It may suck sometimes, mm-hmm. but I will not compromise myself for others. Yeah, even if it good. makes them uncomfortable.
2: That's good. And you shouldn't, you should always put yourself first. Um, so you said uh, as far as like stuff ECU could do to make ECU a safer place, um, you said education and what are some other things you, if you can think of anything that we could do to help make ECU a better community?
1: I honestly, I think education's the big one. Like I've done, um, I talked to a class before, mm-hmm. and I've met some of those people outside of it. One of them was my coworker. Yeah, um, a lot of them have come up to me afterward, like just out and about on campus, and been like, "Oh, like I didn't understand, you know, some of the things that people yeah. in your position go through. Like, thank you for telling me how that works. Like, I better now, yeah. I better know now,
2: yeah. how to
1: react or how to respond if I'm put in a situation like that."
2: Right. So just like education and normalizing. Yeah. Okay. Definitely normalizing. Yeah. Absolutely. I would also add just an openness
0: and willingness to learn because right, yes. I feel like some people are very closed minded. And honestly, I'll admit I was probably a little bit closed minded in high school and growing up just because I had never met someone like you. Mm-hmm. But now that I've met someone like you, I'm I'm just so intrigued and interested in making sure that I educate myself properly so that I can contribute
1: to the community in the ways that I should. And I will say one of the biggest blessings I've, you know, in my coming out post um, on Instagram, I think it was for my name Mm -hmm. change. Um, I very much have passing privilege, which I do not take for granted. And, you know, passing privilege is basically where in everyday life, you just pass as female. Right. No one questions it. Nobody thinks twice about it. Right. It is something that I do not take for granted because there are many people who in their transition may not be able to, you know, quote unquote pass. Passing is such a loaded term. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Everybody is their own person. Mm -hmm. Your femininity, your masculinity. Whatever that is for you, that is your thing. But the stereotypical view of it, I very much have passing privilege. Yeah. And I don't take that for granted because I can guarantee that as especially somebody of color, if I didn't have it as well as I did, Mm -hmm. I would definitely experience a lot more violence and, you know, pain and sorrow that I necessarily would not with how I look now.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there any resources that you used at ECU throughout your entire process?
1: Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not smart, but I just had good friends, yeah. good parents who were willing to learn, and, you know, the willingness to try.
2: Okay, cool. Yeah, I didn't know if there was, like, anything that you had done or any person that you had, like, reached out to. Well,
1: I did go to the resource office back at – um. When it was in, I think Brewster, the oh, LGBT yeah. Resource Office, was which is now a little, Saga,
2: a little teeny room closet. closet in there. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. It was nice. They've to be upgraded.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, it's much bigger, much nicer. But I used to go yeah. in there a lot, and I felt a lot safer around yeah. those people. That's good. That's good.
0: I'm just genuinely curious. I know you told us to ask questions. How many transgender people are on ECU's campus? You're the only one that I've met, but. Are there a lot like
2: what I'm just curious that
1: what? I personally know of sure. at least probably like 20 maybe wow. there's 30. a
2: there's a good amount yeah. um, I don't know the statistic off the top of my head but I do remember because I've done some programs and stuff with the LGBTQ Center mm-hmm. here and there's always been a handful of mm-hmm. individuals who are transitioning um, in the groups that I've done so um, I think there's a lot more than, than we think. And then I didn't even really realize like passing was yeah. a thing. So it kind of makes you wonder how many people are dealing with these same struggles that we don't even know about because they just kind of blend in. Yeah. And know? that's
1: a blessing that I have like day to day. Most people I'd say probably like 95% would not know unless right. maybe you know somebody who's trans and like you just, you know, just yeah. know somehow. Yeah. But, you know, there's definitely people that you would not know right are and, Absolutely. you know, blessings to them for that like, you know, good for you.
0: Right. So, do you have any advice for someone that could either be in your shoes or just for the ECU community in general? Do you have any advice?
1: Um if you're at a low, ask for help. If you're struggling, reach out to friends, reach out to family. I know if my parents had not reacted the way they did. If my catechist had not, I would not be here. Um, open yourself up to new opportunities and new people. It will really change your life and, you know, other people's lives around you.
2: Awesome. Thank you. Um, so, just to kind of run through some resources here at ECU for anyone who may be transitioning or knows anyone who's transitioning, Um, there's always the counseling center. They obviously provide counseling services. There's the LGBTQ Resource Center uh, located in the student, the main campus student center. And they have all kinds of different resources. And we actually will be opening up the gender affirmation clinic in the student health center Sometime soon. I'm not entirely sure exactly when, but that is something that they're working on. So we hmm. will actually, people will have the opportunity to and um, like start hormone therapy and everything at Student Health Services wow. at ECU. Yeah. I so, go to Brody,
1: so I have to drive over to Vidant every time. Yeah.
2: So, oh, I didn't know they did it at Brody. Yeah. They
1: have endocrinology um, center there. That's, that's awesome.
2: Cool. Yeah. So they're actually going to be starting a gender affirmation clinic here on main campus in hmm. the Student Health Center. So our community is making progress it's just a little bit out of time so those are just some things that i kind of wanted to mention at some point during this podcast so
1: and also planned parenthood shout out to them they do hormones there also awesome oh, that's planned great planned to know. yeah so it's a gold
2: mine of things
1: in that place i swear it's a golden beacon for all who need it it's a hidden gem similar to bojangles
0: (laughs) okay well i think that's really all we have for today river i just wanted to say thank you so much for sharing your story and being so willing to talk to us i love having conversations like this and just being able to be open and ask questions and i really hope that we were able to help educate the community a little bit better today i know i learned some stuff so thank you all so much for listening and we'll be back soon All right, everyone. Bye for now. Bye, friends. Oh, bye, (laughs) y'all. Bye. (laughs) Insert crisis statement here, yada, yada, yada.